Guys, another episode of the Prepared Five Fire. We're going to send it today with uh, a, a, a person that has a story that's that's truly unbelievable. Uh, Mike, welcome to the podcast, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, buddy. Appreciate it. So uh, we'll jump right into it. So there I was on the social media surfing the web, and uh, and I came across your page. And um, you you really embody what it what it means to be a firefighter, what it means to be uh, a person that is going to figure it out, is going to have an attitude of of making it happen, um, no matter the circumstance. And um, and and if you would mind sharing your story, man, um, you know what happened, how you've progressed to become, uh, I, I believe, the best version of yourself, um, and and not be the victim in, in, in your story. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what it is. And that's how I, that's what I believe too. Everything I've went through happened for a reason to get me here today. Um, so 23 years, Kingston, Ontario, Canada, uh, full-time firefighter. Um, but, uh, wasn't always an amputee firefighter. So, uh, I managed to go 16 years with two legs. Um, but my story started way before that. So back in 2007, um, I was at snowmobiling. And I know you guys would do a lot of snowmobiling down where you are, but uh, but uh, we snowmobile on the regular. And I grew up on a farm on dirt bikes, four wheelers, you know, anything with an engine that went fast. And so I'm out snowmobiling and driving across a, a lake, and it was snowing minus twenty, and you could barely see. And I was trying to follow the guy in front of me, and I kept seeing his taillight disappear. So I would speed up to catch up to his taillight, and so that kept going on for a little while. I'd, I'd speed up, catch the taillight, okay, try to stay with him, and then I'd lose him. And then finally I lost the taillight and I was speeding up and speeding up, speeding up. And I uh, couldn't find it, couldn't find it. So I went faster and faster. And before you know it, I was doing, you know, 75, 80 miles an hour blindly across this lake. And all of a sudden there's a island right in front of me. And I remember letting go of the handlebars and said, I'm dead. And then I sat up and I was like, oh my God, I'm alive. And I looked down and my left leg was snapped off at the femur. It was grossly deformed. I knew my femur was broke, you know, in our profession, we know that we know the body parts. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die out here. Uh, I'm in the middle of this island. My snowmobile was nowhere to be found. I, I'd flown a hundred feet through this island, through the trees, threaded the needle up through the trees and landed. And so I reached in my pocket and I grabbed my cell phone and I dialed 911 uh, and my phone dies. So mm. I throw the phone. I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So being a firefighter, I had a great plan. Every once in a while, there was a, a break in the snow and I could see there was a cottage on the island I'd hit. And so my plan was, I had a lighter in my pocket. I'm going to, I'm going to light the cottage on fire and the fire department's going to come. And that's the only way they're going to find me out here because the guy that I was with, he wasn't already found. I didn't know where he went. And uh, so that was my plan. So I started crawling and I crawled inch by inch. And I remember crawling and kind of pulling my leg along. I could feel it, it was like, uh, the femur was broke and I could feel it like coming apart every time I crawl. So I kind of pull my body and then pull my leg. I was in a mm -hmm. tremendous amount of pain. And finally, after about five minutes, I just laid down and just said, die, just get it over with and die. And things start going through your head. Like, you know, uh, I can't do this to my mom and dad. I can't do this to my family. I got to keep going. I got to keep doing this for them. And so I started going again and did another five minutes. And then I laid down again for a second time. And I was like, just die. And then, uh, Growing up, I played tons of sports and I was, you know, a fighter in hockey and, and this, and this fireman, I'm this big, tough fireman. I'm like, I can't, I can't go out this way. I can't give up. Everyone's going to know I gave up out here on this Island if I die out here. And that's what, you know, the stupid things go through your mind, but it kept me going. 
And so I kept crawling and crawling. And then finally I hear this snowmobile coming back. So the guy had got to the other side and realized it wasn't there and he came back for me. And so he dragged me up on the back of the snowmobile. He got me into shore and a little bit of a funny story. He's like, I got a truck waiting for you. Um, and we're out in the sticks, right? We're in the hillbillies out there where, where we were snowmobiling and he's got this jacked up truck like six inch, you know, six inch lift, huge tires. And they're trying to lift me up into the truck and my legs like coming apart as they're lifting me and I'm screaming. So anyways, I had to, I had to make them get another car because down the road, because I couldn't get into this truck. Anyways, um, get in the car, drive into the hospital. I get into the hospital. It's just buzzing around me. Um, and you know, nurses, doctors, they fill you full of painkillers. And they, um, you know, wheel me into this room and I have one of those, those gowns on. And uh, so this little nurse comes in and I'm just laying there waiting to go into surgery. Obviously, I got to go into surgery, right? And this little nurse comes in and she goes, I'm going to put in your catheter. And I'm like, oh, okay. At the time, I didn't know what a catheter was, right? So she pulls my gown back, grabs me and goes to put the catheter in and pushed her and she falls back on the floor. And you know, now I feel bad as a little old lady, right? But um, she just got up smiling and she walked into the room. I was like, yeah, you're not doing that, right? And uh, like two minutes later, she walks in with four guys and they pin me down and she's like whistling as she puts the catheter in. So the joke goes on me. I like to tell that little funny part of a bad situation, right? Anyway, so I go into surgery. I wake up the next morning and I look down and my legs in this huge cast. And um, and then I've got this cast on my arm and I'm like, there's nothing wrong with my arm. I, I used it to crawl. You know, I was, I pulled myself up, trying to pull myself into that truck. I got my, out of the car. Like I never, it didn't hurt my arm. And so the doctor comes in, he's like, yeah, so you, you broke your tibia, your fibia, you broke your kneecap off. You broke your knee in half. You shattered six inches of your femur. So you've got a titanium uh, rod for femur, 33 pins and screws holding your leg together. And you had a compound fracture of your ulna sticking out through your arm. I'm like, what? And uh, so just kind of a little, you know, you know, it's crazy what your body can do. I didn't even notice mm. any pain in my arm. I didn't even notice it because I was so focused on my leg and surviving that I just, you know, your adrenaline's going and I didn't even notice it, which I find kind of crazy, right? The human body is amazing and what you can make it do, right? As you know. So, so I, so I had this big cast on, so I've got a metal plate in my forearm as well. So this is back. So, so, you know, I'm like at the time thinking I was going to lose my job as a firefighter, right? I've been full-time for a little while now. And like, that's, as you know, as a firefighter, that's, that's who we are. Right. And I couldn't even imagine doing anything else. So, uh, so I decided, you know, right then and there, I was like, I'm going to train my butt off and I'm going to get back to work. So like the physiotherapist would come in and be like, you know, you're taking, uh, you know, three steps today. I'd be like, yep. Yeah, okay. And meanwhile, you know, she'd leave the room and I'd take like a hundred more. All right. Are you doing 10 pushups today? I'd be like, yeah, no problem. And I do like 200. Right. So everything they gave me, I did more I did more. And that was just like competitive nature from playing sports. Right. I, you know, I played hockey and, and fastball, won a national championship and uh, rugby football, like all, you know, all the sports. I was a captain, of all the teams, I was a major jock. Right. So I think that really carried over into, um, into how I approached um, healing and, and physio and getting better. And mm. so eight months after the accident, I went back to, to work on light duties uh, about three months later, like really soon uh, with crutches, right? Sat at a desk because I just want to be part of the team, right? I didn't want to, I don't want to miss the boy. I miss, you miss the, the atmosphere. You miss everything, right? You get bored. So, and then back to full duty eight months later. So you would have never have known I was even in an accident. 
I can do everything I used to do. And, you know, including I'm still playing sports, still playing fastball, still playing hockey, um, still the, still the door kicker. I always was right on the, on the back of the pump. Um, so life was good. And so while I was, um, training, uh, at the gym. So I went to the gym a ton, obviously in, in that time. And while I was training at the gym, I met a girl. So I went to high school with this girl, uh, and, but we were acquaintances in high school, but, um, when I met her at the gym, we, we became, you know, fast friends and then we started dating. And then, um, and so, you know, four years later, we're living together. Um, she was a yoga instructor when we met. And so she was working at you know, a yoga studio and anyway, so I was like, you know what, you're not working for someone else. Let's start our own yoga studio. So we had a yoga studio together on a full-time firefighter. We're living out on a, on a nice Lake North of Kingston. And, um, I go out for my birthday on one night, and she was supposed to come, but she didn't. She bailed at the last minute. Like, yeah, I go out and have fun with your friends and we'll see you tomorrow kind of thing. So I come home in the morning uh, and I come in the kitchen. And she's laying on the couch. And I said, hey, how's it going? What are you doing on the couch kind of thing? You know, and no answer. And I just screwed around in the kitchen a bit. And then I was like, you know, are you going to get up? What are you doing on the couch? Because this isn't normal for you or whatever. And there was no answer. So I, I was like, okay, something's weird. So I, just, I walk over and she was dead on the couch. She had committed suicide. And, oh, uh, damn it. Yeah, dude. So, you know, I'd rather crash that snowmobile like a hundred times than go through the emotional trauma of losing someone, especially suicide, where no matter what, you always blame yourself. I, and I know now, like, there's nothing I could have done. People that commit suicide do it for a reason and they get away with it for a reason. If we could stop them, we, we'd stop them 100% of the time, right? And as firefighters, we see this stuff all the time, right? Um, so, but at the time, I really blamed myself and, and you know, there's it was just a bad time in my life. And then, so going back a little bit, when I got out of the hospital in 07, um, I was in a lot of pain. My, I was messed up. And that's back before um, the epidemic of painkillers nowadays. So they gave you as many painkillers as you wanted, basically. So I was on all kinds of them, got out of the hospital. I'd never had a painkiller before I had the accident. And uh, so get out. And for a couple of years, I just ate them every day. Didn't know any different until all of a sudden doctors got in trouble for over prescribing and my doctor was like oh, okay we're gonna stop giving them to you and i was like yeah okay and then i found out you know you get sick and there's that whole deal behind them like get, you know you got to get on a program or, or something you got to figure out how to so i did um but then fast forward again to 2011 lost jen and was having trouble dealing with it i'm not it wasn't a drinker um didn't want to ask for help of course you know the macho firefighter guy didn't want to ask for help and started using painkillers again but not prescription, like prescription painkillers, but not prescribed. Okay. So, uh, went down a slippery slope there and ultimately ended up in getting arrested. And so, you know, obviously <laughs> thought my career was going to be over at that point as well. Um, so had to explain my story, got in front of a judge finally, and was like, you know, this is, this is what happened. This is how I got to this place. Uh, I don't uh, blame anybody for what I did, I'm, I'm wrong and, and I'll take my lumps for it, but this is how I got here. It wasn't, you know, I, I didn't ask for this. And so I, the judge actually di discharged all charges and it all got thrown away. It gave me my second chance. And he did say that he goes, this is your second chance. You don't get a third one. Right. And so I took that very seriously. Um, so, um, got through all that. So it was a real big hit to my ego at that time, uh, getting arrested. Right. Cause I was, I was always Mike, the sports player, Mike, the firefighter. Right. And never, ever have I been a bad guy or, uh, looked down upon. 
And so that was a big hit too, as well. You know, you, it's one thing about the the suicide, but then getting arrested and then that ego hit, there's, you know, it just, I just kept getting smashed down to the ground, smashed down to the ground. Um, luckily I got a good support system, good friends, and they always stuck by me through all this. Right. And, uh, and I attribute a lot of it to that too. But, uh, and obviously the, you know, my, my fire department, my second family. Right. Um, so, you know, I recovered from that. The, the best thing about screwing up, Julian, is is all you got to do is wait for the next person to screw up and they just take over the limelight for you. So, and, and basically what happened, right, is it just faded away and, and I just rebuilt myself. And so yeah. really committed to fitness and being, you know, the guy that I always was before that. And so, um, and then, you know, life was good again. So going ahead to 2016 and um, out on my motorcycle. So I'm being that guy that drove skidoos and dirt bikes and everything. As soon as I could get a motorcycle license, I had one. And uh, so I was out on a motorcycle and I'm cruising on this back windy road and um, driving along. And all of a sudden in the corner of my eye, I see something, a flash and a deer comes up out of the ditch and runs right into the side of me. So I get in the speed wobble on the bike and I'm going back and forth and I gain control of the bike and I look up and there's a 90 degree turn on the road. So, and I hadn't slowed down. So I, so I, start breaking and I start turning and I counter steer the opposite way. My peg scraping on the road and all of a sudden my back tire, it's getting closer to the shoulder and it hits the shoulder. And then my bike just shoots it from under me. So being a firefighter, I'm like, don't hit your head, you hit your head. You're not getting out of this. Right. Most of the time they don't. And so I tried to ride it out on my butt and I landed on the road, bounced off my butt into the ditch and I was sliding on my butt into the ditch. And I ran right into a rock, big rock that was in the ditch. And I watched my right leg get snapped right off at the knee. And it was literally just snapped right off. The bike came in behind me, bounced off the rock and landed on top of me. And I'm like, oh my God, I did it again. I, literally, I remember thinking that, I, oh my God, I did it again. I gotta, I gotta survive again. Cause I, and I was like, you know what? I've done this before, I can do it again. And I, got, and I remember thinking to myself, okay, you know what? I think I'm probably gonna die, but I'm gonna go down swimming. And so I, you know, when they say the chips are down, I know it's, it's crazy, but like your adrenaline's going, I understand that it's, and it is adrenaline, but this, this 800 pound bike's on me and I'm a pretty strong guy, but I remember taking the bike and this will be, this will be more impressive once you know more of the story, but, and I took the bike and I threw it off me and it flopped away. And my, my leg that was off, like ripped off of the knee, um, was stuck in the, in the peg and it kind of went with it. And I didn't really I didn't, I knew when it was dislocated at that time at the knee, cause it didn't really feel anything. Like I was in pain, but I didn't feel it like tug. And so, and then I looked down and I see this white ball and it was the ball of my ankle. So my foot was ripped off and the white ball of my ankle was showing. And so I'm like, holy fuck, there's a nightmare. There's a, you know, this is a horror movie. And so my tibia and fibia were sticking out through my calf into the ground, like long darts. Um, and I'm just like, wow. Um, so I grabbed my belt. And I do the best tourniquet I can. I know, you know, as firefighters, we know you're not going to get a great tourniquet, but if you can stop a little bit, you might last a little longer, right? And I tried. Right. I, I, I turned that thing as hard as I could. And, uh, and and I got it pretty good, to be honest. Um, and so tourniquet my leg, got my phone out of my pocket. And instead of phoning 911, I phoned my fire dispatch because I knew like, right, I'm like, I'm putting it on my people because I need my people to save me, right? And uh, so she actually answered my phone. My name came up on the phone in dispatch. She's like, hi, hi, Mike, how are you? You know, I'm, I'm in a ditch. I'm dying. I'm on the North Shore Road. Come get me, right? So right away, sends trucks, and that there I laid for 17 minutes. Um, so in those 17 minutes, a car had drove by and didn't see me. I was down in the ditch. So I was like, "What do I do?" So I was grabbing uh, motorcycle parts that I could reach. That I broke off the bike and I was throwing them up on the road. And I took my helmet off and I threw it up on the road. And all of a sudden, a car came along, and stopped, 
and um, this like sixty year old lady, little old lady, she kind of gets out of her car and comes I'm like she's gonna take one look at me and turn around and be like, nope, I want nothing to do with this. It's, you know, for the average person, it was it was a big it was a big scene to be at, right? Right. And, nope. She came right down and she put her arms around me and uh, she just said, you're, you know what, you're gonna be okay. I'm here for you. And it actually, it chokes me up every time, dude, because because uh, people don't do that nowadays. They don't do it. They they drive by accidents. They they walk by someone on the sidewalk that looks like they might need help, right? Like it's just it's different now. And so she didn't have to stop, and she did. And it's what I needed. I needed that little. I needed someone to be there with me. It was lonely in that ditch, thinking I was dying, and and just to have her there telling me it's gonna be okay. It's exactly what I needed at that time. Gave me that extra little boost. Um, and then all of a sudden I can hear sirens coming from quite a distance and then they show up. And then I remember kind of letting go at, at that point. And I can say this to other fellow firefighters, like I know I'm in hand, I'm good hands now. And so like, I was, I was trying to stay from going into shock and I was like on top of everything. I was like pretending I was basically at a scene, you know, and I'm doing all the stuff and I'm like keeping everything in order and I'm, you know, it, it was really strange, but that's what I had to do to to stay focused and not pass out or stay focused and not like, you know, going to shock. And so once they got there, I'm just like, you know, they're here. I just kind of laid back and let them do their thing. And they cut all my clothes off and, you know, did, did their thing. And I remember they put me on the, on the board and then strapped me and strapped me down. I, once again, they moved me and then kind of my leg second. I didn't feel it. I'm like, Oh, that's not good. Right. Um, <laughs> long old ride like we were out in the sticks a little bit so you know 20 25 minute ride going going code one all the way back to the hospital and so when i was on the phone um fire headquarters is where dispatch is for us and all the chiefs like deputies fire prevention training officers uh everyone was huddled over the phone listening to me and and i was like i was kind of sounding off i was like i'm you know, this is my, you know, tell my family, I love them. This is my last minutes. You know, I, I think I, you know, cause I just felt like it. I was in a lot of pain. I, there's blood. It was a, it was a mess. Right. Um, so they were listening to that. Once I got transported, they all drove down to the hospital. And I remember getting into the ambulance on the stretcher and they were kind of like, ah, it chokes me out. <laughs> it, uh, they were kind of in the tunnel and, uh, the chief leaned over and he said, you still got your job no matter what. And he knew my leg was ripped off at that point. And uh, dude, like I was a 36 year old man, uh, not married, no girlfriend. Like, you know, I, I, I had nothing but the fire department. That's my, that's who I am. Right. And so my leg's gone. I'm like, what do I do? What am I going to do? Right. It's too early. So for them to, to, to bust down there, him to lean over and do that, it was like, you know, where are you going to find a brotherhood like that? Um, so I, I go in, there's like 40 people buzzing around me. They're giving me painkillers, giving me painkillers. Of course, being a previous painkiller on, on painkillers previously, um, they weren't doing anything. So the doctor leads over and he's like, I need to put you in a coma. I go, he goes, I can't give you anything else. And I remember begging him, like, put me in a coma. Cause at this point it's a couple hours of, of suffering. Right. I mean, all together. And by the time I laid in the hospital for quite a while, as they tried to get painkillers into me and everything, it was creeping up in a couple hours, right? I'm just like, just do it. I need relief. Like, I don't know, you know, a 10 pain tolerance for that long is is hard on you. Um, anyway, so they they did put me in a coma for eight days. And so the next thing I remember is I'm, I'm opening up my eyes and I'm choking and they're pulling the tube out of my throat. And... My mom's over top of me saying, honey, you're alive. You're alive. So 
those eight days for me felt like five minutes and, and I thought I had died. So in my mind, it was like a computer shutting down and there was like all these lines going through my mind and like some sounds like beeping sounds, which was obviously the monitors and stuff. But, um, uh, I thought I died. So I'd accepted it. I was like, Oh, I, I put up a good fight. I thought, you know, I, I guess I lost. And I really, I was consciously like thinking that when I was sleeping and then, uh, and I wake up to my mom saying, you're alive. And I call my God, I'm alive. And she's like, don't move, don't move. So um, I had a big neck collar on. And she's like, you can't move for the next, like, two months. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? Like, what, what, I know I can't move, but, like, because I have no leg. And, but I looked down, and my leg's reattached, and it's in this big halo. She's like, no, it's not that. She goes, you broke your neck in two spots, and you broke your back in three spots. And you've got two 12-inch rods in your spine right now um, and eight, eight screws holding it into your vertebrae. And you broke six ribs and, you know, you're not going to be able to move at all for a little while. I'm like, holy, right? Like I was in that ditch. Oh, first of all, I threw the bike off me, right? And then I'm in the ditch throwing stuff on the road and crawling around trying to turn my leg. And so like doing all those things with a with five breaks in my neck and back is crazy. Once again, what your mind can make your body do when the chips are down and you have to, right? And it makes me think about soldiers when they're, you know, when they're put in those situations and you hear these crazy stories, right? Of, of what they overcame and saved, you know, saved their, their buddies or whatever. It's like, it can be done. It's all, it's all up here. Right. And that goes for everything. Um, a big believer in that. So, so anyways, uh, they reattached my leg. Unfortunately, uh, it just died. It just didn't retake. It was ripped off uh, the nerve and the artery and everything was ripped. They tried to repair it. There was no blood flow. It started to die. So three days later, they came in. They're like, we're going to amputate your leg. And so I remember crying and then breathing with my family for like maybe an hour. And then I was, and then I was just like, you know what? You can't change this. It's happening. I think you knew about it. So uh, I was like to my dad, I'm like, dad, grab that iPad right there. And I go, look up what the best prosthetic leg in the world is. So we did. And it was this Autobach Jenny Max 3, which is like this uh, military leg. It's, it's waterproof, uh, dust proof, uh, you know, bulletproof. It's everything proof. Right. And so I'm like, that's the one I'm getting. Cause I'm going back to firefighting and like everyone in the room was like, Oh yeah. You know, yeah. hopped up on drugs again or whatever. Right? <laughs> and so that, I think that was the original thought when I said it. And then, so, um, go in and I'm like, yep, I'm going to. So it was a long process. Right. First I had to heal, right. My neck and my back had to heal quite a bit. And then I have to fit it with a leg. And then you start on your first leg. So um, as soon as I was able to start working out, though, it was the same thing. It was like the doc would be like, you know, take it easy, do a few push-ups, you know, uh, do a little walking. And I'd be like, yeah, no problem. And then meanwhile, like half the day was spent training the entire time. So I was like, I'm doing it again, right? I'm just going to kick its ass and and win. And so uh, about uh, eight months later, I was... I was in the training. I went back and by the way, I went back to work again on light duties, like as quick as possible. So it was like, you know, four or five months later, I was at a desk job and then (laughs) with no leg sitting at desk, no leg. And then, uh, once I got a leg, I was like, you know, taking off and going to the gym all the time. And I really went at it. And so it got to the point where I was telling the guys at work, I'm like, I'm going to try to come back. I don't know how I'm going to try to come back because at that time it had never been done ever right in the world that, that we had known. Um, and so I was like, I got to figure it out. And so um, the chief calls me in the office. He's like, I heard you were talking about coming back. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, is that like doable? Can we do this? And he's like, listen, 
I don't see why not. He goes, if you pass the physical test you did to get on this fire department, then you're passing the same thing everyone else is passing to get on here. He goes, I know you're already a firefighter, but you still got to be able to do it because it's never been done before. And again, this is a lot of, uh, you know, pressure on him, right? Because if he lets me come back and I'm not fit for duty, then that's not good, right? And I understood that. I was like, if I can't do it, I can't do it. I understand that, right? I don't want to be there if I can't help people. And so, um, yeah, so I've, you know, trained, trained, trained. The day came when the big test was. uh, And obviously my guys, like my crew, they they were like so supportive, man. They trained me. They came into the fire grounds with me all the time. Train, train, train. Like you know, it was uh, it's just that same brotherhood, right? You get it's just they wanted to see me do good. They wanted to see me back, and I and I was always a good firefighter. You know, I was always that guy that always stood up first to help, right? And I was like I said, I was a door kicker. I was always the one first first in line with a nozzle or whatever, right? So like. If you put in your time, I, I really believe if you put in your time properly and you and you work hard, then you'll get rewarded if bad shit happens, right? So like this, they all they all did everything they could to help me. Passed the test with flying colors. Actually, had a couple times that were better than two legged guys the previous <laughs> test before the last hiring. I was like, yeah, right. And now we got better from there, right? So uh, and so became the first um, above knee amputee uh, full time firefighter in Canada. Now I would have been the first in north america but you got a guy over there in the u.s uh, brandon anderson and he had lost his leg on a motorcycle the exact same time as me at same leg same spot and so he actually contacted me when we were both trying to get back and trying to figure out like what i was doing to train what he and what he could do and like what my uh leg guy was doing to you know i gotta get my gear on fast enough and all that stuff we're trying to figure all that out it's never been done before so um unfortunately i lost to him <laughs> because uh, he got back two two months quicker, and I wow. but I always tell him right. I always tell him like it's only because I had a broken neck and back, and you just lost your leg. You're a pussy, right? <laughs> 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 only lost his leg, right? <laughs> but uh, so so good, you know, good on him. And so he became the first uh, in the U.S. And I became the first in Canada. And since then, there's been five more. We helped we helped mm. the guys do it, and there's more in the U.S. now. Um. So, um, and that's, I'm, I don't um, know if that's a hundred percent all full-time guys. I know two of them are full-time guys. Um, and then there's a couple of volunteers that have done it too. And there's a, there's a couple of volunteers up in Canada that have done it as well. Um, but you know, we, we know the difference, but, um, so carrying forward, uh, life was good again. So I'm, I'm back. I'm just, you know, got my first ever, got my 15 seconds of fame. I was on the, the, the front of, uh, of uh, Canadian firefighter magazine, which is kind of big up here. Um, and then, uh, so here comes the, the best part of the story for most people. And, and it is for me. So when I was in the hospital, I went from KGH, which is where you like get fixed. And then you went, you go to a recovery hospital, which was St. Mm-hmm. Mary's. So I'm living in St. Mary's. Uh, I was there for a month and, um, in my wheelchair, right? No leg. I'm about 150 pounds. I carry myself at like 210 now. I was about 150 pounds, beard, long hair. And because this is the start of my recovery, right? Neck brace right. on, IV pole on my wheelchair, no leg on, no sh- like barefoot in like boxer, like boxer Joe cut off. Pay- I look like Joe Dirt in a wheelchair. Okay, so <laughs> so I'm wheeling, uh, I'm wheeling around the hospital because I'm bored, and I'm like I'm gonna go check in see if there's any hot nurses here. So I'm wheeling <laughs> around and I'm kind of lost in the hospital because it's you know I'm going through all these doors and stuff and not paying attention, and I go by this one room and I look in and there's this nurse bent over her patient. I'm like. Oh my God, that's the nicest bot I've ever seen. And I jam the brakes on on the chair and kind of get caught, right? So I kind of wheel in and start making small talk. 
And, um, and so we talked for 10 minutes and, and when she turned around, as soon as she turned around, I was like, Oh my God, this is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. Right. And so like, normally I'm a pretty good talker. And I was like, you know, fumbling for words and like <laughs> doing the old, you know, embarrassed guy. And meanwhile, like I'm at my worst, right. At my worst I've ever been. And, um, so I go, I, I wheel out, eventually I find my room and I Facebook her and I was like, nice to meet you. Um, and so she was like, nice to meet you. And that was it. She was in a relationship at the time. And, and anyways, a few months go by, I'm looking more like I do now, put weight on, getting ready for my big test to get back. Right. And, uh, in the gym and stuff. And, uh, I message her or she, she posts something on Facebook and I comment on it and we start talking and I was like, Hey, do you want to go on a date? And I think she was just humoring me. Right. And she's like, yeah, okay. So we go on a date, had coffee, went for a walk, get back to the car. And I did the worst thing you can possibly do on a date. The worst. I go, uh, I want to marry you and have children. Right. This guy that she met in the hospital, a disaster. Right. And she's like, uh, yeah, okay. And ghosts me. Right. She gets in the car and she leaves and that's it. Right. I'm like, I kind of deserve that. Right. All right. <laughs> so, and um, so a couple months go by and, but um, apparently this, this girl, she's thinking maybe there's something there. Like she keeps waking up thinking about me. Um, and she, and she, she can't, she thinks there's something there. There's, there's a spark that she felt, but she didn't know why. And it keeps going through her head over her head. So she uh, ends up contacting me. And so long story short, we, we got married in 2018 and we have a four-year-old uh, son Lincoln and I have a 13 year old stepdaughter Kiana and we, I'm literally living my best life and it's all because I I took a shot Julian at my very worst when I should have never even considered you know talking to this girl right by all rights I took a shot and and it, and it paid off I'm, I married like the most beautiful woman I've ever met and you know love of my life and all because you know at my horse i took a shot so you know it just goes to show you just never give up man no matter what right no matter what and there's this i always go back to there's this um there's this meme of this guy digging underground and he's got a pickaxe and he's digging he's digging and there's about an inch to go and there's a billion dollars worth of diamonds on the other side of this inch and he just puts the shoulder or puts the axe on the shoulder the pickaxe and he's like i give up and walks the other way right and meanwhile there's a guy just above him that's digging, digging, and he's going to hit this diamond, these diamonds, right? All because this, this guy gave up an inch away. Right. And I just love that because that's kind of like, you know, I was, I might, I was an inch away and I, and I still kept digging for some reason. I just don't, I maybe I was stubborn and stupid, but I just kept going. Right. I, and I just love that. It just relates to me, I think, because uh, I've always just kept, kept digging and just kept going. So that's my, that's my story, buddy. Um, oh yeah. man. Holy, holy shit. That was a, uh... That was that was amazing, man. First of all, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah, that's just you know, take a breath and 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 it's, it's a movie, dude. It's it's honestly it's it's a movie. You know what I mean? It's a movie. It's a book. Um, it's it's so many things. Um, you know, I I've never been the type to blow smoke up anybody's ass. Um, what what I think and what I say is true. It's true to the heart. It's true to the world. Because I'm, 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 I try to be the most authentic and genuine person I can be, and uh, man, you you got to get out there. And, and I know you're doing it already. I saw you on social, but you got to go harder. You got to get in front of front of people, man. You 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 got to be a world class speaker. That story was amazing. So many takeaways aside from being a fireman, aside from being a warrior. Um, it's just the 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 never quit mindset, right? The your thought is there. 
you know, from from the start to the suicide to the next, you know, um, accident you had, the thought was there, like, man, what's what's the point, right? And, and I can't even imagine, um, you know, what you went through in rehab, how many dark moments you went through um, in, in that phase, and, and the only reason why I know a little bit about that world is because I have to get you in contact. Shout out to Anthony Gillen. Um, so. Anthony is a, a a dear friend of mine, a brother, and he was one of the first leaders that kind of showed me the way in the fire service. And um, older guy, uh, when I met him, he was about forty five. Um, he's like seventy now, and I'm kidding. He's he's older, but um, he was doing a training evolution, and um, a, a, a firefighter was was going to perform a VES off a second story uh, into a second story window, and a Halligan. He was an instructor, and Halligan came down was wearing his PPE and hit him in the helmet, right? Uh, but it came down just at the right speed and the right angle to just smoke his head. And um, he he broke his neck, um, and it was touch and go for a long time, you know? Um, and uh, I saw him a couple of days after the immediate accident. And he this is a guy that would die for me, I'd die for him. Um, yeah. Just a man's man, a fireman's fireman. <clears throat> and he told me, he said, Hey, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, like this pain I'm feeling right now, I, I I can't do this anymore. And, you know, as his friend, I told him like, Hey man, like stop being a victim, like cut it out, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and I looked at one of my best friends, uh, Evan, and I said, Hey man, if he's saying this, it's gotta be bad. Like this yeah. dude is off, you know, yeah. so I can only imagine relating to your recovery what you went through, man. And, and that in itself is truly amazing, man. So, you know, first of all, thank you for, for being a lighthouse. Thank you for being an example in, in this world. Um, if you weren't who you were, you would have died. Right. Uh, aside from the injuries, um, your mindset, spirit, and heart, I believe, and I, I just met you today is the only reason you're alive. Right. Um, there's many people that, outside of the injury would have died spiritually and many after this and many do the first right? time and that's uh, yeah, and right. that's why i started uh limb loss fitness so i just recently started uh limb loss fitness which was originally started as just helping amputees because i know so many of them gets get stuck down that deep dark hole and never ever climb out of it so so many of them the majority and so I wanted to start helping them and, and getting them, you know, back in shape, back eating right, which is a start, right? To getting your to getting your head right. You got to feel good. You got to look it, feel good, look good, you know, perform good. So, um, so I just I wanted to help them, and it's it's progressed and evolved into helping anybody that wants help. So uh, basically, you know, I do uh, custom workouts and and macro counting meal plans and all that all that stuff, and then I, and then as well as. Uh, my public speaking, which it's starting to ramp up now. So, um, yeah, and, and you're lighting a fire under me right now because, you know, I, I respect you a ton and uh, just from following you and, and knowing what you do. And for you to say that to me, it's like, like you said earlier, for me, it's just like, ah, it's my story, right? And I get used to it. But when you when someone like you says that to me, it really lights a fire under me to to help people. Because it, you yeah, know, absolutely. It's, it's incredible, man. It, it, it truly is. And, and I didn't expect this story, right? I, I I knew from doing a little bit of research on your page and hearing hearing you speak, I knew that you were very different spiritually and emotionally and from a, a, a mindset perspective. 
right? So that's really why I wanted to talk to you. But from from what I just heard, man, um, I mean, you know, it, it's one of those things diving into the fire service, diving into mindset, fitness, nutrition, um, the perspective you have is 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 second to none, you know. So um, bro, you 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 have to understand that everybody in this world struggles with something. Yeah. And from what I just heard from you, you struggled with everything. <laughs> you still made it happen, you know. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things. Look at Marcus Sutrell, you know. Um yeah. there's many there's many uh veterans that go through war, lose people, and commit suicide. This guy chose the latter, you know what I mean? Um, lost all of his best friends. Um, and I, I'm sure he's been through some dark times, if oh. not still going through them, you know. Um, but he's still here, you know, he's still here, he still fought, he found um one reason to fight. That's that's and, and I think that's that's the message here for anybody listening. Is Mike found one reason. Like that that's all you need, whatever dark spot you're in, what whatever you know you're going through you don't need all of this you know motivation and, and, and inspiration you just need one reason to keep fighting um and as far as the suicide goes man i can i can really resonate with that um my uh my good friend committed suicide and uh it it changed my life it changed it changed the course of of what i would yeah you hear me mike yeah, I just cut out a bit, buddy. You there? Yeah, can you hear me? I can now, yeah. Yeah, man, so like I was saying, I can just re- resonate with the suicide portion of, of what you were talking about um, because I lost a friend, uh, a brother, uh, to the same thing, and... Uh, yeah, everything that you you talked about, man, has just been truly, truly uh, un, un, unreal. And so I, I want to talk to you now. What does life look like with this new outlook? Um, so I really want to ramp it up and, and like I said, help, help a lot of people. Um, I uh, In the new year here, we just started um, a buddy of mine who, who runs a platform called Make It a Great Day. We grew up together. We played hockey together. Um, we're starting to tour around um starting on march 3rd it's called untap 60 um and basically we we talk together so i gotta go up and tell my story and um and he does his thing but um basically untap 60 means um when when you think you're down and out so i'm down in that ditch and i think i'm down and out you've only really used up 40 percent of what you've got there's 60 percent waiting uh, on the other side if you want to tap into that so um, untapped 60 relates to that is like everyone, everyone's got this untapped 60, but most people can't find that, can't dig into it. They just don't, they don't dig deep enough. Um, so we're going to get into that um, in the new year and start traveling around. Um, our first one's in Oshawa, um, Ontario, Canada, and then um, hopefully go from there. Um, and then as, and then my own story, I want to start speaking at bigger events um like like you mentioned so um you know before i started uh Lim loss fitness i wasn't really big in the social media scene so i've started upping my game so i'll get i'll get to your level yeah. at some point uh <laughs> but um but uh yeah i just want to keep helping people because honestly uh, weekly you there 
Yeah, I hear you. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I basically, um, you know, just want to keep helping people because, you know, weekly I get uh, messages and phone calls helping from people helping them out um, or where they need help. And and so I offer my help. I just recently helped a, a woman call about her husband and she's like, he doesn't want to call. He doesn't want to. Anyways, I ended up reaching out to him and he was like, you know, contemplating suicide, dude. It was, it was some dark days for this guy. And, um, and ultimately it was, it was, you know, by the end of our, our chat, our phone, our phone call, he was, uh, more upbeat and he was ready to start doing some stuff. And, and so I'm going to touch, touch base with him, uh, you know, weekly for the next little while to check in, but stuff like that, you know, that's just, that's what we're here for. Right. We're here to help other people. Yeah, man. It's, it's being the lighthouse. Sorry, bro. This, this is all freezing up on you. <laughs> 